Hey, my name is Julie Leone and this podcast is called What's Your Thing? This is where I have conversations with people about their passions, ideas, pastimes, missions or lifestyle that I find inspiring. I hope you do too. Hello and it's Julie here again on What's Your Thing? And this week I've got a friend called Ian to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. And so I knew some lads when I was about 15 who played Dungeons and Dragons, which was this thing that I didn't really understand. And I was a guide and they were scouts and they, on a Sunday afternoon, disappeared into one of the guys' garages for the whole day to do this thing that they wouldn't ever tell us about, but they did it for years and years. And it was kind of a, a big mystery. And then I've only recently found out that Ian is in fact a dragon master. So it's kind of a how well I have to declare here that I know nothing about it at all. So Ian, um, what's Dungeons and Dragons? Well, <laughs> oh, hi, Julie. Um, Hello, first Ian. of all, you, you kind of, you make it sound all a bit Masonic. Um, it, the, the term is dungeon master instead of dragon master, but yeah, oh, it's a good start. and that kind of that kind of represents the stereotyping that we tend to get through it anyway. Um, but yeah, so my thing is is D and D. It's role playing in general. Um, D and D is a system that that you know it's a set of it's a framework, set of rules that gets part. But there's whole loads. There's many many ways of diff- doing it. Um, but yeah, um, I've been doing it since I was tiny. Like I must have been about. God, eight or nine, when I I had a friend who had like the really the tiny little miniatures that they used to paint, and I was never allowed them. I only had like plastic soldiers, so I, I was fascinated by this kind of thing. Um, and he kind of started playing. And as ever, what what I tend to find that amongst the the people that play this is kind of it was like his older brother had got him into it. And it is you, you know, your experience of stinky little boys going into somewhere to hide and play was really kind of what it was like. I mean, for me anyway, um, I kind of dipped in and out because although I'm heavily into D&D now, especially, and it kind of captured me younger, you know, I, I was kind of really into Lord of the Rings and Hobbit and and it, it kind of, my interest in the D&D side led from my interest in the literature I was reading at the time. And I loved, I just read and read and read and read. And then, um, yeah, so I kind of dipped in and out. I, I, I had a little dabble when I was like nine. Um, and then I got involved in football and martial arts and that kind of stuff. So I concentrated on a lot of that. And then I was around about, must have been about 15, 16 again. Um, and there was a few guys who uh, I fought with. I mean, I, I, you know, I did a lot of jujitsu. Um, and, and a lot was like every day, you know. So I were kind of, chill out from that was the boys would go around and, and be sweaty and disgusting but we'd sit there and we we just play for a few hours in the evening as a kind of like a chill out and then that then fed into um going into university and um you know I've, in fact i still play now me being nearly 50 you know i'm like 40 48 this year um and i still play on I play weekly uh, Dungeon Master for this and there's two people Andrea and Brian don't be ashamed I've named you but I've known them since I was what 19 
so you we've still, so have you played with them continually all the way through no I dipped in and out but we've been playing for probably the last i don't know few years we, we picked up but it, it's one of those things that it's a it's a very social game and you tend to you know but i'll leave that for other questions but that's the kind of i've been playing since i was nine dipped in and out all the way through kind of late high school went to university it's kind of stopped as I was kind of bringing up my family um, and then yeah just through connections from work kind of restarted it and dabbled and, and played so and, and you know probably for the past couple of years I've been playing weekly at least once a week. So can we just dive into some of the stereotypes because because I do have I have to declare stereotypes of kind of socially awkward males, um, a bit of misogyny there where women aren't really welcome. And then the word dragon master or dungeon master just for me has S and M connotations, but that may say more about me. <laughs> um, well, yeah, but no, uh, to be honest, I, I think I think it's right. A lot of the, the terminology that's used is, it doesn't help the cause. Um, uh, I've been reading uh, lots of literature around it as well and I think having it either classed as a DM a dungeon master or um you know the role master or whatever but actually that that kind of area is really just the storyteller it's like you've got a, a you know a, a screenplay that you're helping the the people that you're playing with um use you're basically building a story that they're able to interact with and influence that you then do um I, I do think that from a stereotype perspective, yeah, it's difficult. Every teenager's awkward, you know? If you face it, most people are teenagers when they start, when they initially touch this. They're, they're not the wonderful communicators at the best of time. And, and it enables you to, for me, for example, and, and most of my geeky friends, it enabled us to, be, to sort of go into uh, an environment where actually we could, we could be whatever we wanted without facing the kind of stigma that you would get normally for doing it. We never dressed up as stuff. So there's a whole section of like the role-playing community that's like live action role players LARP. Uh, and there they go out and they dress up. It's a bit like history reenactments. The people yes. that you go to Dover Castle, for example, to be honest, they're live role players. They're pretending to be soldiers from a medieval period. It, you know, it depends what lens you want to put in it. But, um, it is predominantly men that or boys that, that play it because that, that's how we kind of cluster together and we get to do stuff. But the the concept of not wanting girls around, one, teenage boys, it's a bit awkward for girls anyway, especially when they tend to be, you know, there is the, a, the concept that it tends to be less sort of sporty types because sporty kids are out doing sporty stuff. I kind of did a combination of it and so did the people I played with. But I know that we were kind of separate to the other role players I knew who all they did was role playing. They, they just read and stuff. But for girls, like say Andrea, I've known her since I was 19. She's continually played and she's one of the coolest people I know. She's got a really high profile um, job in the industry. And she's awesome. To be fair, she doesn't know half the rules, doesn't care about half the rules sits through the sessions with a bucket of wine but you know what she has a great time and and I, I think that's the and I've had that throughout my years there's there's certain activities that people gravitate towards 
and in high school and university a lot of girls don't want to be hanging around with the kids who are just reading we're not cool enough they're not you know they don't have that kind of mystery that that other blokes kind of attached we, we tend not to drive around flash cars doing wheel spins and stuff so it tends to be the way but i've seen just and especially nowadays there's a huge um, change in the sort of um demographics of people that are role playing when when we were growing up for example it was a case of it might be a sweaty older brother who's got his mates around and it's there's boys disappearing but Nowadays, with the, with the advent of social media, the things like Critical Role and the fact that it's on YouTube and Netflix, there's, there's so much more exposure to it. And things like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons was even referenced in Stranger Things, you know, that whole kind of 80s flashback stuff. Um, it, there's far more exposure to it. So I think there's far less stigma to it. Um, and there's kind of you been tell a shift. people about it. Do you so because there's like when you were saying that Andrea's got this re really high profile. So I've not met Andrea. I don't know Andrea. You know, but you said she's got a high high profile yeah. job, and and you've got quite a responsible job. Do you, do you, do you come out? Are you out about it? Uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, uh, uh, I'm a I'm a senior IT person. Yeah, and that's another stereotype is the IT guy who does D and D. Um, and that's fairly right. Most of the people that I know, that and that's because what are the area I work in, we we work in IT. Um, Andrea doesn't, um, but for myself, um, working in in IT, it, it's a it's an easy way for us. And you talk about coming out, but we would be finishing the game. You now we'd be finishing work, for example, at five and before COVID happened and we were actually able to speak to people and meet people in real life and shake hands and touch and, you know, all the crazy, wonderful stuff that we used to be able to do. Um, we, we used to come, uh, we'd book a room out in our building, you know, I, I, you know, in the, you know, working for a bank and we booked a room out, a meeting room. And when we'd all wander in and we'd have people come in and, you know, the, the stereotypical gaming session, is that, yeah, you've got some books and a bag of dice, your imagination, and a whole stack of beer and food and snacks and everything else like that. But the amount of ribbon that we would get because it was the it was the bunch of role players going in to play the game, but we didn't care. We'd have a meeting room, we'd play. We always got the snidey comments, but you know what? We're adults, you just laugh it off. We're having a great time. We didn't need to go to the pub. We could go to the pub, but we didn't. So it wasn't something or something that I hide. I mean, that it's been difficult in the past, don't get me wrong, to kind of say, oh, borrow the wash, I'll do role playing. But, you know, um, by and large, no, it's just something I do. I, I love it. And what do you get? So, so it's, well, tell me a bit about when you were eight or nine, what, what did you get from it then initially? What was the draw? So I know you were saying that you were reading, you know, The Hobbit and, and Lord of the Rings, yeah, oh, it, it was just a way to enact that. It, it was really just a very, plus my, I thought the little miniatures were cool and my friend had them, I didn't have them. And it was, it was just hanging about with someone who had cool stuff and his older brother kind of played. So we used to get to hold out with cold, you know, hang out with older boys, which was also cool. So it, it was, it was a, a kind of a bit of a, like finding your, your kind of clan or, or your tribe and being accepted into it. Simple. 
and now what is it now so now you're senior what was it senior data analyst so what because you know no, no. so, so, so why is me, it me so i am uh i'm a product owner for um a, a continued delivery you know digital transformation part of the bank and i've been doing this since i finished uni um what i get out from it now i think there's many things one is uh, i think it's been exceptionally valuable during covid times because because it's a very social thing by nature you know it's a group of people getting together you it, it harks back to the ancient days of storytelling as a group and you go back and there's a real kind of there's like a real primal kind of um satisfaction you gain from it because it's a group getting together um and you know like i say we do it weekly um and there's something that it's a real ability to let go of all the stresses from your work i mean everyone that i work with has a kind of a, a high powered role and actually most people i know who do the kind of role playing side of things actually have quite a lot of responsibility um and their day-to-day -day life and it's a real Fun, for me, a fantastic way to release steam, to just um, let my head forget about work and go into these fantastic realms and and be able to try to play out different things. If I'm a player, for example, I might decide to try to be someone who's utterly unlike myself and just to, just to try and see what it's like. When I'm running the game, like I do now, um, as the storyteller, as the narrator, then what I'm doing is I have a story in my mind. Each of the people I'm playing with take on a persona, a character that they've decided will engage in that story. And then really what I'm doing is try to make them um, see as much of the story as I, as I can that I've already sort of mapped out and developed in a way that's really fun and engaging for them. Honestly, there's so much pleasure that I get is from being able to see them forget their day-to-day -day and for them to get lost in what I'm trying to tell them. Um, it's a very different medium to books. It's a different medium to, um, to TV because when you kind of, when you're like running the game, the players get to influence how the story develops. So you kind of create the various questions around when they make a decision, you, it's up to the, the storyteller to be able to make that engaging, to be able to create that kind of hanging mystery or, or dilemma that causes the players to be hooked and want more. You're continually kind of feeding that story. You know, with novels, you can flick through it and go back and forward. Movies tend to be a bit more passive and visual and you get it. With, with this, you can either work like the, you can use the miniatures on the tabletop if you want, you know, the little old school stuff, or you can use nowadays, you can use it, what's called a virtual tabletop, um, which enables you to kind of generate graphical maps and you can do it all. But what we do is we use something called theater of the mind. And basically what you're using is my story uh, storytelling capability to be able to try to paint a picture for them where they interact with your story and whatever they do, their actions have consequences that I basically have all planned and mapped out. And normally it goes pretty crazy, but 
what you're what you as the narrator and storyteller are doing are being able to um, go with whatever's happening and create the ripples that of their actions into the story and change it accordingly. Um, it's a it's a very I always have a real big buzz. It's like you're performing on stage it's, or you're performing competing. I mean, I remember when I was competing in my jiu-jitsu, you'd come out and you'd be like, whoa. And when I finish like a storytelling session where the players are, have had a good time, I kind of have that same chemical rush. Um, physically, it's very different, but my brain is just going and going and going for a long time. It's a, it's a really interesting perspective that you have after a game. So if I got it, when I'm listening, it sounds a bit like, so I used at one point taught drama and it sounds like um, kind of a bit like improvisation where you've got the, you've got the idea, but then you're working with a bunch of actors. And so when you're doing improvisation, the key thing is to kind of go with it. You know, you don't want to be working with anyone who's going to keep saying no, no, but you want, you know, it's yes and building on, building on. And it almost sounds like you're a, participant of that and also a director of that did i did i get it yeah 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 no no you're right julie um and 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 different people have different styles there's no there's no rule for it some people like it to be really heavily structured and they might have something taken that's that's a published book for example and really follow it to the letter and they don't allow any deviation because depending on what the type of person they are i'm fairly easy going and for myself i'll I will prepare a lot. And if you speak to Claire, my partner, she'll tell you that I spend a lot of time preparing it. Um, but what I do is I have a kind of an idea of the events that are going to happen. But what happens in those uh, between those events, I kind of leave for the players to do. Um, it's a, for the players, some are really happy to do a lot of improvisation. Other ones are quite passive. It's like real life, it's like real business meetings. Some people are quite passive. They just sit there and, and, and get by and they only interject a few times. Other people are a bit wordy. The, with the storytelling aspect, what you're trying to do is make everyone feel engaged in it. So you, you know, it's based on the three pillars of you know, the exploration and, and, the, and the combat. Yeah, and it's, it's all sitting there making sure that um, everyone feels that they get something out of it. So you kind of do act as director. You have to be able to cater for improvisation. It's like if you were, you know, if I was thinking about my daughters doing their dance stuff and I would done their dance, there's, there's a show going on. And then at one point, one decides to start to run off the back and have an ice cream rather than do what I've asked them to do or expected them to do. And you've just got to go with it. You have to try and make it as if, for the audience, which is the rest of the players. Yeah, that was always expected. And so, so it sounds like for beginners who, cause you've got years of experience, but it sounds like for beginners, there's books and things that you can start yeah. off and, but it, where you're at now, when you, when you say you spend a long time preparing, how do you do that? What does preparation mean? So, um, yeah, so for me, when I say a long time, what I might do is I might, I might spend between half an hour to an hour every evening, kind of through and building my things out. Uh, I might spend four or five hours in the weekend oh. doing it, depending on advance. Um, but what are you doing? But, but are, you imagining, some, for... are you imagining or are you drawing? Or no. 
I'm doing a lot of writing. So for example, I have books. I go through books and books and books of prep. I'm creating tables for certain outcomes. Um, I'm writing a kind of, I'd like to say, it's a little bit like writing a screenplay. You know, I'm writing things down that I expect to happen. Um, creating the other the other characters, what's called NPCs or non-player characters, the sort of notable individuals in the world that's not my players that they interact with. It might be an innkeeper, it might be a lord, it might be just a little kid, but I have to try to breathe life into these other characters so that at least something is believable for, for my players, you know, believable in that kind of fantasy context. Um, I have to work out all of that and plan out and I've also got to try to <laughs> try to um, judge best I can what my crazy players may do sometimes you can expect it a lot of times all my preparation goes to dust because actually they've done something that I've not planned for and then I've got to suddenly improvise for a bit so, so you know so there's a lot of writing there's a lot of creating maps um, and what do you like? So it's incredibly creative, isn't it? It's incredibly creative, particularly creative, for you yeah. in your your role. And how, does that creativity then have a wider impact in your life? <laughs> no, I do IT. So um, yeah, but at least that's not true, is it? He says he's smiling. <laughs> he's smiling. You can't see him smiling. From 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 the IT side, you know, I, I work in a bank, so it's fairly prescriptive there's not a lot of creative capability that you're able to do but you know governance kind of stifles that um i actually find this is my creative outlet to be honest um i, I tend not to be very arty or special or you know, I, I can't i've not really done any of that i don't really get it this thing really appeals to me um but yeah no, no nothing actually it's probably the most creative thing I do that's where I put my energy so, has it changed how you think about yourself as you've grown up because it's almost like you've got multiple <laughs> not multiple personalities but you've got IT geek and then you've got jiu-jitsu guy and then you've got dungeons and dragons guy and I'm yeah. wondering if, if all of those are completely separate personas or where the overlap is no I, th I think they all influence each other to be honest I don't think they're I don't think they sit there as separate little voices in my head and um, sometimes honestly when you're when you are like the kind of storyteller and you've got all of these things going in it, it is a bit schizophrenic yeah it's kind of like oh my god oh my god um but i would say that the i've learned a lot of personal skills and mental discipline skills from the years and years of jiu-jitsu i've done you know i used to compete and i used to <laughs> you know after i got um after I got my second down in my jiu-jitsu and, you know, I did lots of other things, that instills a lot of um, ethics of hard work and, and discipline into you. Um, the, I mean, you know, I was, uh, I've done lots of long distance running and, you know, various other items like running across the Gobi Desert and all that kind of stuff, which, which helps that. But with into this work, I actually tend to find that all of the, all of the, I mean, Claire would probably say I'm, I'm, I kind of watch people and I take, I watch them very intently and I take sort of facets that I see from them and I build it into my role playing. All of the kind of characteristics that I've met from the many, many people that I've met through my martial arts, my, my ultra distance running, my IT side, 
all of that kind of aspect, I draw in to my role playing side. And I also, from the role playing aspect, because I do get to try different aspects of, of personality, you can play someone that's a bit chaotic. You can play someone that doesn't care. You can play someone that's just out for themselves. You can do it so that actually you're the other side of things. You're very strict. You're there for the for the greater good and all these kind of things. You get to play with those things. And, you know, I think as a person, it's enabled me to whittle down the things that I don't actually like myself. And so it's kind of steered me towards being um, what I feel anyway, a more um, open, accepting person, to be honest. And I tend to find out with, with a lot of the people that I play with um, and that they, they are... Um, they tend to be well I don't want to, they tend to be more rounded individuals I find and how is that are you suggesting it's all so I suppose in psychological terms and I'm not a psychologist but that it's almost like it provides a safe container this this it's not really it's kind of much more than a game it, but it provides a structure and a safe container in which to explore different parts of yourself and I guess some of the yeah. Jungian therapy would say you can you can explore some of your shadow parts as well the bit you know like the jealous yeah. bitchy selfish manipulative yeah. all those bits of yourself that in real life you all of us it would probably go oh no I, I I never do that but you're saying actually it provides a space where you can almost play with that and then what you know so if I were to take a shadow part of myself that I kind of don't like to own up to so like maybe jealousy and if I really were to exaggerate a jealous you know be, be quite a jealous character then what happens yeah. you know how does that work in that in the in the game so, so yeah so so what, when it comes down to it as well Julie it's there's there's many different layers that you can take in this okay and take on like D&D &D or role playing or whatever you want to do at a real base level, and especially when you're a young kid, because I know I never went into this when I was a young kid. This is stuff I've kind of explored as I've grown older. But when you're play, initially playing as a kid, it's just, yeah, roll some dice and kill some monsters. Yeah. And, and that's about it. But one of the one of the great things that I've found as I've kind of aged and, and, and discovered and experienced lots of things in the world is that a good storyteller when and especially with a, with a good group of people that you're working with as well similar to if you'd had like a good improv drama group in that as well that a, a storyteller will enable you to act any way that you want yeah but the the real skill is being able to show the repercussions of those actions and i think this is our this is where one of the the real benefits of of where i find working with kids you know if i'm if i'm playing a game where i'm, I'm actually running the game for kids to be able to do is you allow them to um, act in the way that they believe is appropriate. But then what you then do is then you show them the repercussions of those actions. And that, you know, if they're jealous, for example, then that may have an immediate um, sort of positive result for them. But what they, what they don't see until later is the negative impact that that actually did cause. So it may come back that whatever they've done through jealousy, um, there's a series of events that, comes back in and actually um, is detrimental to them. You know, the, the person that they may have offended or sort of caused harm to because they were jealous reacts in such a way. So what, you, what you're kind of able to do is mimic what real life is as, a, as an adult, really. You can kind of, 
mirror what the world is outside and a nice, as you say, a safe container so that when someone does go on this massive killing spree, okay, it might be fun for the 30 seconds that you're playing the game, but actually, if you mimic the outside, you know, the world that they're playing in to reflect, for example, how our society could be as that was, and then you have a whole bunch of, you know, repercussions that hit those ones, then you start to show them that that action may not have been the, the most wise course to follow. And, and that's the bit that I like to find. When I, if I have, for example, if I'm taking some kids and, or even as a storyteller, what I try to do is create dilemmas for the players. I want the players to be pushed as individuals. Um, I want to create um, points where the individual themselves is in a quandary because although their character they've chosen, might favor one course of action them as an individual don't so I, I create tension not only between the people in the group but also within the person you know that separation of the player and the character they're playing and so you start to as you get more experienced and more um as it becomes sort of more mature and um, you're able to add in different layers of the kind of challenges from role playing. So it, yeah, it can be really superficial. It can just be roll some dice, kill some monsters, or you can actually start to test people's characters as well. And that's yeah. kind of where I'm pushing to go as I age and as I start to look to take this forward. Yeah, yeah. So I want to come to taking it forward, but what I'm hearing is, so I'm thinking that's a huge gift in a way, like to, because what you're describing that you do is incredibly skillful and to be a participant where you can play out different parts of yourself in a safe way where you're being offered dilemmas but then also where there's you're creating internal tensions for them to explore that like that's incredibly skillful of you to do that and kind of what um what a gift for the people you know to to be able to do that in a way so that I just wanted to notice that and just say oh my man that's like great <laughs> people get the opportunity to do that but I and then the question that arose as I was listening was you know when you were talking about the consequences so you know if I'm jealous there might be consequences so does that mean that you have a moral code that you bring yeah. into that so, world yeah so 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 let me explain that a bit deeper so when people create the characters, using D &D, using D and D as an example, you have something called uh, an alignment, and really that's how you view the world as such. You know, you've got the chaotic side, um, you've got a, a side you chaotic or lawful and neutral. So chaotic is obviously you being able to do what fits you, and lawful is very strict and, and rule bound, and neutrals as it says it's fairly neutral and then you've got the other side of it where you might be you know the lawful evil um or the lawful good or the neutral good or neutral evil and and that kind of creates an initial how you see the world depending on your superhero whether you're superman or you know iron man or whatever you are they have a view of the world the world itself uh, and uh, each, each area that you work in has a whole suite of, especially the way the, 
the game I play has a political status as well and a societal side. So there's a whole whole aspect of politics and society that you come into the game. But each individual character, when you're creating it, has a list of kind of uh, ideals that they adhere to. There may be some bonds that they have. Um, you know, it could be simple as they don't suffer fools gladly, or they believe they're the smartest person in the room. Um, and then they've always got um, like, a, they always have a flaw. And that's the thing, because we're all flawed. And what they then do is they, they build this character and they incorporate the, the, you know, these traits and the flaws into um, this character who then interacts with the, the surrounding world, which I kind of, can, you know, look after from a from a wider context and so there are there's there's moral implications within themselves and their character and their and the surrounding environment which impacts those characters depending on the actions they follow depending on where they are and what they do that will have social ramifications and and like say when you're when you're an experienced storyteller then you're able to make sure that people can see what that's done because a challenge may be actually that their ideals that they take fit one region of the world, but when they go to another, actually it's outlandish and it's frowned upon. It's very much, it, it shows, um, for example, one game that we have just now, there's one character that's, that's had a whole background of persecution. And so it, they react as such, you know, there's, there's, characteristics that happen from 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 that background and what I try to do is get the characters chosen it to experience that in a safe way and see how they respond and see and so I can get them to try to experience that sort of xenophobia and and the pain and angst that they suffer but in a really safe way and and you know in a game situation so they can they feel it but they don't you know, it just allows you to open windows of of humans, um, especially for like the younger adults, and that, uh, in a way that it doesn't overly harm them. It just gives them um, awareness of it. Okay, so my mind's a bit blown there. So hang on, because there was a lot. There was a lot. So so, could you have someone playing the game who was, for example, xenophobic, who then kind of brought that in as part of their character that then you're saying that you can then take the character into situations which then kind of loosens some of those kind of mind constructs by putting them into different contexts is that what you're saying yeah yeah exactly i mean what what i mean with a lot of the games you have what's called a session zero and that session zero is really when you when a new story you know you might be starting a new game and that's really about, you know, that's creating your safe place. That's you sitting there saying, what are the boundaries of the game? What things, much as we did before this cat started, about what, what's okay to talk about? What are the things that you don't want to go anywhere near? Are there certain topics that you want to stay out of the game? Like I say, it doesn't have to be this. Because you are storytelling, it can be as fantastical as you want it to be. It doesn't have to represent this world. You know, it can be fun, it can be crazy. Every game is different. And there's nothing that says it's got to be a really serious representation of this world. It's just that you can incorporate parts of that. You know, if I if I look at a, a standard gaming session, it might be a few hours long, that might have 
a couple of situations where the characters some kind of physical dilemma but there'll also be several role-playing conversations where they're, they're just acting as the character and kind of trying to talk in person and trying to be that person and influence things by them as a person so um it yeah it, it's very compartmentalized you can you can make sure as a storyteller that you veer away from things which you know are not going to be enjoyed the, the ultimate aim of this is for everyone in the group to have an enjoyable session and, mm. and want to come back for more, not to relive past traumas. You know, it, it's if something's taboo, you just stay away from it. Yeah, no, it sounds yeah amazing. And I and I'm again thinking of it with my kind of coachy, trainery head on, just thinking, oh my god, it's got so many um, potential context that you think you could take that into the workplace couldn't you and get people to play you know dysfunctional team it's almost like there's so much isn't there that could be used um and yeah and um you know even individual clients could because i know you play it as a game but it's almost like bits of this you could play one-to-one -one. i don't know so you you mentioned a bit about how you see it developing so I don't know, how do yeah. you see it developing? Because you've got 40 so, years experience of it now, haven't you? So you're actually quite yeah. a skillful player. Yeah, I'm nearly dead. I'm not dead yet, but I'm nearly dead. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's, I've, I find it very fascinating, actually, Julie, how, how it's progressing. And, and because it's being taken up by more and more people, you know, there's got far more exposure. People can watch, God, even celebrities play, you know, there's, there's celebrity Dungeons and Dragons and on Netflix and oh, YouTube. And there's, a, there's a massive thing here. It's, it's, it's very possible for um, a storyteller to work with just one individual and the way I see it is that you could you could do, for example, um, an, an analysis of someone's personality, or you might work with them and they, they might tell you that there are certain facets of themselves that they want to try to develop or work on, and there are certain things that they find difficult. And with so the I'm just thinking, like, like, so if I were working on, like, I, I wish about 10, 15 years ago, I'd been able to kind of go, actually, I want to, invent a character where I'm really kind of stroppy and I don't care what anybody else thinks and I'm really strong-minded and I'm really empowered and powerful. It would have been great to kind of play that role almost to extremists, kind of a bit, to then kind of integrate some of those things, which I think it's probably taken me 15 years <laughs> to get to and still yeah, working. But, 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 you know, the, the, the thing about it is when you enable someone to build a character, you know, or, or work with someone to create a character that they want to develop and work on themselves. You know, they may they may want to try to be someone that's a bit funnier or a little bit more outspoken or, you know, and be more persuasive than that. What you're able to do from a coaching perspective, for example, is enable being as a storyteller, you can create those situations which enable them to act mm -hmm. as that person, the persona they want to be in that safe manner. But because you're the storyteller, you can lift and shift that character into any multitude of scenarios that you want for them to continually gain that experience in. In real life, we walk up and we swear at someone. It tends to end quite badly. <laughs> but 
when you're that when you when you take it within a role playing context you're able to put that scenario some situations it may be beneficial you know there's always context to it. Mm. Uh, and when you and this is what i see i see the capability of offering many layers of things one just the game just sit and play do do a little bit but for those that want to be able to to develop those parts of the characters then actually you can do an analysis on and then tailor the, the story that you bring them into to exactly target those areas that they want to be targeted. So you could almost work on a development plan for someone mm. by taking them through this scenario and then going over it afterwards. You know, when you're, when you're going over your kind of retrospectives to looking at it and saying, actually, what kind of we could have done better? All right. And then you might replay it. You say, right, okay, let, let's try a different type. Let's try and do something. So you may start, th this is how I see it. And this is what I've seen from myself personally and the people I play with. You kind of learn from being burned. You know, there's nothing, nothing better to learn. I mean, especially in my IT world, you're always as good as your last failure. You learn from that and you kind of go, oh, I'm not going to do that again. Good storytelling enables people to practice these things, see the results or see a, a potential result and then decide for themselves is this the course of action i want to follow is this the kind of person that i want to be um and i, I, I when i'm listening i feel really excited by it and i suppose what i'm doing what i suppose what i'd like to do is kind of almost separate so there's i want to separate the dungeons if you were a beginner yeah the, the game bit so if someone's listening to this and they're going yeah yeah it sounds great where do i start so in three you know what's the simple answer you can buy kits can't you and just and then i want to come back to because i think you're very skillful and i think that's very separate from if somebody it be, to know someone like you that can do this is one thing but there might be people who don't know anyone that does it but they think it might be quite nice to start with the family so where do they start i i started as a spotty little kid <laughs> so you know um the thing is, is people hear Dungeons and Dragons and think, oh, my God, my God. However, if you go into Google and, and just look up role playing games, you could select a genre. Yeah, there's absolutely anything. There's probably a My Little Kitty or My Kitty kind of role playing game or unicorns or whatever. There's there's almost something for everyone. I personally think the best thing to do is get a group of like-minded individuals, a few people, and if it's the family, for example, just start with a kit, start with a book, watch a few YouTube videos. You know, YouTube's a great for anything now. You could watch, watch some of the celebrity do it and Critical Role or whatever. Um, and then just try it. Someone has to decide to be the storyteller. You know, it always helps if you've got some consistency that way. It Sometimes it helps to be um, the eldest who does that but you know what it doesn't matter it's more about if someone wants to be that storyteller if someone feels that their personality suits it well then let them do it I, I just think that because the kits when I've looked at the kits the kits come with the story the map the characters so you could just if you were right at the beginning you could just read the book choose a character follow yep. the map so that's yep. very basic isn't it and have yeah that's a very basic just take take what's in the book take the starter characters have a play with it see how it feels but the thing is is it's it's all framework it's not it's not gospel you don't have to sit there and only adhere to it 
if there's bits that you don't like, don't do it. I mean, there, you know, there's, there's a term called homebrew, which is effectively you taking whatever you've got and altering it to how you want it to be. You know, you might change it to be characters in your favourite novel. You might do a Pride and Prejudice version. You know, you, you, you could decide to do a world based entirely upon Thomas Hardy novels. That's entirely up to you if that's what you enjoy doing. The great, the gift for me about role playing is that you're not stuck with Dungeons and Dragons. Even that term puts people off. They, they, they don't like to go into that fantastic world. I'm Scottish, so I've got a massive background in fairy lore and folklore and, and that, so it appeals to me. If you don't, then don't. There's modern ones that you can do. There's things based upon the corporate world. There's ones based upon some kind of sci-fi world. Now, honestly, there's something for everyone, if that, whatever that you like to do. Because ultimately, wherever you have humans, you have our kind of society and our interactions. And, and that's the crux of the role playing, is that you're just being people in a situation that you have to react with. And you're, you're in a story, evolving it as it goes. You know, it's continually moving along. And every action that you have has, has a ripple, which then create something that happens later so it's for for a family starting choose someone that wants to be the storyteller other people take the characters have a look decide what sits you best you might want to be this big strong barbarian you might want to be the cheeky rogue or thief you might want to be you know the the wonderful cleric who goes around and heals people it, it doesn't matter i think it, the main thing is just open the book start it play it for you so when so when i listen to you talk it, it's almost there it's there's something about what how are you going to develop this because it's got almost for you it is a game and it's more than a game and you're starting to see or maybe not starting to see but you you know we we've kind of gone some way into talking about the depth of how this might work as a personal development or a team development or an inner development tool. So I'm not sure how, how do you see this developing for you? For me, so by trade, I'm a product manager, product owner within um, you know, the IT side of things. Uh, I see this for me starting off as a, as a side hustle, as a, as a second path that I follow, whereby I use the skills I've honed as a storyteller and, and my job and my martial arts and everything else um, to be able to start um, having other people experience this, to, to kind of offer my services as that storyteller to, to help people um, experience what can be achieved from role playing. It's not just you know, rolling dice and, and sitting around and, and there. What the aim is that, um, first of all- um, Can I just able... interrupt that? Cause it, for yeah. me, sorry, and I, I don't, it's, you say what can be achieved from role playing? It, for me, it's like bigger than that. It's what can be achieved when we change the story or when we put ourselves into different stories. And that yeah. feels so important that this particular, you know, COVID's, we're in the third lockdown, things are crumbling left, right and centre. And if ever there was a time where we needed to imagine ourselves in different roles and in different stories, yeah. this is it. 
Yep. That, uh, and, and that's, you know, coming back to what we were talking about at the start, that, you know, I've got a group that I play with, you know, I play two games. So one is with the group of friends that I went to university with, you know, and people that I've met throughout my working career. But the other game that I play is with Claire and her daughters and her dad, you know, and I just, I games master that. And um, if I look at when lockdown start happened in March, I think it's been one of the most beneficial things for us as a family unit to be able to um, navigate it, you know, and, you know, and when I look at the game that I have every week with my friends um, that I've known since university, it's such a, it's such a pressure releasing valve for us. It's a, it's a, such a healthy dose of escapism. You know, you, you're able to forget for those few hours by creating an involving story that they're able to interact with and, and have influence with, that you actually forget all of the rubbish that we are currently experiencing. There's uh, so much stress going around with COVID just now. I mean, it's like it's never ending. <laughs> I mean, I've been working from home now for, well, I mean, fortunately, I've been able to work from home since March last year. It's insane. And having this ability to be able to, for individuals to experience that escape from the now, uh, I think has been phenomenal. Uh, and I and would- kind of escape with some reintegration, isn't it? Because it's escape, experience, explore, experiment, integrate. Yeah. Yep. And it seems to me like the integration is as important as the escape and the experiment and the explore Totally agree. Hmm. So, well, <laughs> I think I, that's I, a good point. At some, at some point, at some point, my aim is to be able to step away from my IT job as my main job and have the storytelling aspect of this as actually my primary activity. Mm. Because you know what? It gives me so much joy. It gives me so much happiness. I even love the preparation. I, I get my geek mm. on even just getting excited about the story I'm going to create for the people to do. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, every Sunday or every other Sunday, I play with Claire and her girls. And for the few days beforehand that I'm preparing, I'm getting excited about the potential things that they may do or may not do. But mm -hmm. it, it, I get a lot of creative joy from it. And being able to see them. I mean, well, how many other games do I actually manage to get uh, kids who are normally stuck in their phones Mm. not even looking at their phone for about seven or eight hours i know i'm completely envious that you've managed that with yours and i haven't managed that with mine i'm completely <laughs> and, al and also the fact that like i don't know whether people listening heard the fact that it's actually you um the, the kids claire and their dad so it's kind of the fact that you're managing to play it as a blended family you know again yeah. you know it, it, we're not gonna it, that's not part of the conversation but the fact that it's a container that is a safe space for that to happen I just think so what what is there anything that you've heard yourself say or that you want to hear for yourself louder in yeah, you know I, as we leave the conversation what do you want to take for yourself from it I think one of the things that to do with role playing in D&D is it's kind of seen as a loner's thing it's kind of seen as a um, or has the reputation of being just a thing that people go away and disappear. Whereas actually, what I find over the years and, and what's been proven to me weekly, and as you talked about the blended family, I have never done 
anything apart from uh, martial arts and sports that actually has brought people together in such a strong way. I can still look back and reminisce with friends from, from stories that we ran 20 years ago. We still have memories of it. And my hope is that the, this time during COVID and, this, and the, you know, the horrible events that are happening is that the people that I've played with and done storytelling for can look back in 5, 10, 15, 20 years and actually reminisce and go, oh, yeah, I remember that time that, that Ian had us doing this. And for me, that ability to, to tap into that sort of primeval shaming kind of storytelling aspect is just priceless. And I really do wish that other people could at least experience it once in their life. Throw, yeah, away, no. throw, away, throw away the stereotypes and just try it. Yeah, no, I'm completely envious and, and would love to. And Sophie, what's your takeaway from this conversation? What's the what's the bit for you that you need to hear? My takeaway is actually I'm pretty damn passionate about it. Mm. Yeah. That's no, my I... takeaway. Is this, I mean, like I said, it started off reading Lord of the Rings when I was like eight and 40 years later, I'm still as excited as ever whenever I get when I, when I and being able to pass on my passion to other people mm, even yeah. if it's just briefly you know no that really comes and I can feel my heart rate starting to get and my heart rate's going up and up and up For and D&D &D, role playing you must I know I know that's what those guys <laughs> in the garage were doing all those years ago no I'm completely and I, and yeah no I I think yeah, I, I feel completely envious that you play it as a family and that you have that connecting off-screen time. Um, yeah, and, and your skills. Well, to that, be honest, I, I, I think it's been, I think it's been a, a massive, you know, from the blended family perspective, it can be very difficult. And I think that by myself running this story and having everyone engage in it, it's really helped to make that family unit, yeah. that blended unit, so much stronger. Which is priceless, isn't it? You can't put a price on that. Yep. So listen, we're going to draw it to a close here. Um, Ian, maybe I'll get some links off you for where people can go to look yeah. at stuff. Um, I, have, I have hundreds. In, I'm an IT guy. I've got loads. Okay, so I'll put those in the show notes. So um, thanks to Ian and um, speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you for listening. Julie Leone here. Well, you can find out more about me at julieleone.com. But more importantly, if you know people or if you are someone who does a crazy thing or something that you feel passionately about or live slightly differently, then drop me an email at yoursoulworks at gmail.com. Let me know about it and it'd be great to have you or um, your friend if they want to come on to talk about the podcast. In the meantime, if you liked it, please subscribe and if you can leave a review do that way more people find out about it just wanting to share exciting and interesting ideas um, particularly at this weird covid time take care